Back in July, just a day before Donald Trump got on the phone with the president of Ukraine and asked for a favor, there was a very different conversation going on over on Capitol Hill. We will come to order. A conversation between Robert Mueller and Representative Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Dr. Mueller, I want to... Uh, but this conversation was televised for everyone to see. From your testimony today, I gather that you believe that knowingly accepting foreign assistance during a presidential campaign is an unethical thing to do. And a crime. And a crime. Circumstances, yes. And to the degree... And a crime given certain circumstances. Representative Schiff was almost mournful in how he spoke about national security in that hearing to me. Yes, he was definitely his tone was definitely more in sorrow than in anger that we have to be facing this and that all Americans should be concerned about it. The Atlantic's Todd Purdom spoke to Congressman Schiff as he prepared to question Mueller. When he was getting ready to have uh, Mr. Mueller testify, his expectations were realistic. He did not think that in a stroke, Mueller would change the political dynamic or change the the substantive information dynamic. He was looking forward to getting the, uh, Mr. Mueller in front of his committee to lay out in, a, in the best narrative fashion he could uh, the story of the Russian interference and why it was such a risk and why going forward, the United States has to be on guard against future such efforts. A couple months later, watching this testimony, it's striking because Schiff ends his remarks by worrying that our election system isn't safe, even now. Protecting the sanctity of our elections begins, however, with the recognition that accepting foreign help is disloyal to our country, unethical and wrong. And of course, what makes the Ukraine case so interesting and so spectacular in a way, and then has caused Washington to be set on its ear, is that it, it would appear that President Trump is overtly, was overtly asking another sovereign nation to interfere uh, in next year's election. So that, would, that that's exactly the, the warning that Mr. Mueller and Chairman Schiff had been sounding for so long. In the last few days, it's Adam Schiff who's gradually begun to steer the impeachment process forward. But with every step, He's become a bigger and bigger target for a president convinced he's done nothing wrong. Trump has described Schiff as a fraud, a lowlife, shifty Schiff. And that's just in the last 24 hours. Do you think the stakes are especially high for Chairman Schiff? Yes, I do, because he's in the spotlight. He's in the crosshairs here. He hasn't been a household name or face. Now, in a sense, of course, the president is elevating him to that by by attacking him on Twitter accusing him of treason, suggesting he should be arrested. Um, not too many individual congressmen, remember there are men women, there are 435 of them, get that sort of attention. Yeah, he's like the fifth member of the squad now. In some ways, yes, he is. Today on the show, how this congressman from California became Nancy Pelosi's right hand when it comes to impeachment. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick with us. Hey, listener, we've got a big favor to ask. One of our advertisers is conducting a survey. We would be grateful for your help with answering a few of their questions. It'll take less than 10 minutes of your time and your participation helps the show. Go to slatestudy.com to complete the short survey now. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Discover. 
When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A year ago, Adam Schiff wrote an editorial urging Democrats not to take the bait on impeachment. But today, it is a very different story. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being When Nancy Pelosi showed up for her regular press conference this week, all any of the reporters wanted to talk about was her impeachment inquiry. And it was Adam Schiff who stood by her side, calling out not just Trump, but his own congressional colleagues across the aisle. It's hard to imagine a more corrupt course of conduct. So to my Republican colleagues that say there's nothing to see here or, yeah, it's bad, but is it really something you'd remove from the president from office for? They're going to have to answer if this conduct doesn't rise to the level uh, of the concern the founders have, what conduct does? Now, But even at his most hot-blooded, Schiff still seems careful, even quiet. It made me wonder how he got there which is why I called up Todd Purdom. So how did you come to cover Adam Schiff? Uh, I was the Los Angeles bureau chief for the New York Times from 1997 to 2001, and he ran for Congress in 2000 against uh, Jim Rogan, who'd been one of the House impeachment managers of Bill Clinton's impeachment. A Republican. A Republican. So both parties poured tons of money into that race trying to uh, influence the outcome. And at that time, it was the most expensive congressional race in history. It drew millions of dollars in outside spending from all over the country on both sides. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was real knockdown, drag out. Like, did you think when you saw him running, did people expect him to win or were they like, no way, he's running against an incumbent? Well, the district was changing and the demographics were changing and the backlash against impeachment had been so intense. And, And as I say, all this outside money was put there on both sides, but certainly by the Democrats to try to take out Rogan. So I think one of the reasons it got so much attention was it it felt like this was going to be one of the most likely places for a Democratic pickup. But uh, it was a very, very contested race, and he won and has been safely reelected more or less ever since. It's, It's interesting to think of him coming in off the tails of an impeachment and making that case that, you know, he needed to replace a Republican. Yes, it's an interesting uh, twist that he, he he got elected on the heels of an impeachment in which Democrats argued it had been a partisan overreach. He's now presiding over an impeachment inquiry that Republicans say is a partisan overreach. Originally, Washington insiders suspected it was going to be Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler who would lead investigations into the Trump administration. So I asked Todd, how did Adam Schiff end up in the lead? Well, two reasons. One, uh, the subject matter of Ukraine falls in the Intelligence Committee's purview. So that's a natural place for him to discuss these matters. But I also do think that Chairman Adler's handling of that hearing with Corey Lewandowski, it's no secret that Speaker Pelosi said she would have moved to hold Mr. Lewandowski in contempt right then and there, quote unquote, in the in the middle of the hearing when he reacted to members with such disrespect and parried their questions and really refused to answer or cooperate in any way. So I think Schiff is seen as having a stronger hand on the tiller than Chairman Nadler did. And now the Ukraine conversation has provided a peg, a pretext, a jumping off place for the Intelligence Committee to act. And I suspect that Speaker Pelosi is happy to have that be the center of the action at the moment. I mean, with Schiff, my understanding is that Schiff was 
was groomed by Pelosi from the beginning of his congressional career. Is that yes? Is that- no, I, I think very much. I mean, uh, I think she saw him as a comer when he arrived in Washington. He seemed just what the doctor ordered for his district. He was, uh, you know, a calm voice in the wake of a contentious time. You know, Speaker Pelosi had served on the Intelligence Committee. Then Jane Harman of California was the chairman also of the Intelligence Committee. So there's a kind of tr- California tradition on that committee of strong leadership. And and yes, I think Speaker Pelosi definitely did take a personal interest in Congressman Schiff's career and, and helped groom him for the job. What was it about him? Because when you look at Adam Schiff, he seems really even keeled, maybe to the point of being a little milk toast. <laughs> and so I'm wondering what it was she saw in him and said, yes, this is the person that I want to groom to be in this position of power. Yes, he's definitely not flashy. And I think it was probably his very lack of flashiness that attracted her to him in that role, because she thinks that the Intelligence Committee should be all about the merits of the matter beyond politics, outside politics. It's not a place for a showboater. And I suspect that it's that very demeanor that um, that uh, was attractive. Schiff's had one attempt to showboat so far, but it did not go over well. I want to go back to that moment from just last week. Because last week we began to see what it will look like when Representative Schiff is leading hearings in the Intelligence Committee having to do with impeachment. He had the director of national national intelligence in front of him, McGuire, and he was his same calm, steady self. If you just listened to his timbre, his tone, but he did something that he caught a lot of criticism for which was he characterized the president's words. He said when he looked at the modified transcript of the call between President Trump and the president of the Ukraine, he said it sounded like an organized crime shakedown. We've been very good to your country, very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And then he said stuff like, in the president's voice, I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent. Understand? Lots of it. You know what I'm asking, and so I'm only going to say this a few more times, in a few more ways. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. What do you think he was trying to do there? I think he was trying to give the um, graphic novel version of the president's words. If you look at the text carefully, virtually everything he said has some basis in fact, and in some cases, precise words that the president had used. But he strung them together in a way that was, to, 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 to say the least, took uh, more than a little bit of poetic license. And I think that's what the president chose to take umbrage at, whether it's real umbrage or fake umbrage, you never know. But it was a little bit unusual tactic for Chairman Schiff. Do you think he'll try a trick like that again, where he characterizes the president's words? I I haven't talked to him about it. I haven't talked to his staff, but I'd I'd have to kind of suspect that he would not do that because he hasn't gotten criticism. I mean, he's gotten criticism from the president, but by and large, uh, the media, the commentary at the chattering classes in Washington, I think, have given him high marks for his performance. And that's the one thing that people sort of ding him for. So I suspect he might not try that again. Is he a careful follower of what people say about him? 
oh, don't you think every modern politician is a careful follower of what people say about him? I suspect he is just like everyone else. And and certainly he has uh, benefited from the president's attacks on him. Uh, he, in the early parts of this year, he was able to raise a lot of money for his own reelection and for other congressional campaigns off of the president's vituperation, off of the RNC's attacks on him. So yes, I'm sure he's keeping close track of what the critics say and is responding strategically as he sees fit. I'm glad you brought up the politics there because we started off by talking about Adam Schiff's first campaign for Congress, how it was very expensive and how it was also set up for him to take down a Republican who had tried to impeach Bill Clinton. And I wonder, do you think he thinks about that, about the political consequences of what he's doing right now? I'm sure he does, but he's in it. The district has changed enough since he won that I think he has an almost overwhelmingly safe seat. And I don't think he'd be at any risk of defeat uh, next year at the hands of a Republican. All of Southern California and even the Central Valley uh, in the last midterm elections, the Republicans lost every close seat that they were contesting. The Democrats won seven new seats. The Republican delegation in California is at its all time low since the 1880s. So I think um, he, he has the advantage of being himself in a politically safe seat so he can take on this fight. But I'm sure it isn't lost on him that he arrived in Congress in the wake of an impeachment and he's now come to the greatest degree of prominence in the middle of another impeachment. And I'm sure he must think every day about the the strange twist of that. If there's anything Schiff learned from his first taste of impeachment, it might be that optics matter. In 2000, he came to Washington because Democrats from around the country thought the investigation into Bill Clinton had been bogus. Then they donated to candidates like Schiff. Now he knows the evidence he uncovers needs to look convincing, not just to him, but to his political rivals. One of the things Chairman Schiff told me this summer was he has privately wondered what would have happened if everything that was in the Mueller report had come out on a single day instead of over many months and dribs and drabs in the media. So that by the time the actual Mueller report came out, pretty much everything he had concluded was more or less in broad terms already known. So I think the the thing about the Ukraine call and the whistleblowers report is that was in a single, you know, 36, 48 hour period, a very dramatic revelation about something that had happened that seemed seemed to, you know, register on the Washington shock meter that has become almost benumbed in recent months by Donald Trump's behavior. Like what would it take to make people sit up and be pay attention? And I think he And Speaker Pelosi felt that this is one of those things. When you watch Representative Schiff's hearings moving forward, what will you be looking for from him? I guess I'd be looking for the same dogged attempt to get to the bottom of the situation, to get to the facts, to find as many people who can corroborate the whistleblower's report. Clearly, there are many people cited in the whistleblower's report. We know now the Secretary of State Pompeo was on the call in question himself listening in so that when he told Martha Raddatz of ABC a couple weeks ago, he hadn't seen the report yet. He was just hearing about it for the first time. He was at a minimum being disingenuous because he knew very well the subject of the call. He'd, He'd heard it in real time. So I think he will want to get those kinds of witnesses. He will want to lay out the case that this complaint has credibility, is proven by the facts, is proven by multiple witnesses and people corroborating it. And I suspect that he will, you know, they're they're staying there during the recess. They're, they're subpoenaing witnesses already. Uh, the administration seems to be resisting just as they have to date in other spheres. But I think he's determined to you know take this to the courts if necessary, to, to produce these witnesses, to produce these documents in question. 
and um, to get to the bottom of it in the most clear-cut, professional kind of way. We're not fooling around here, though. Uh, we don't uh, want this to drag on months and months and months, which appears to be the administration's strategy. Uh, so they just need to know that even as they try to undermine our ability to find the facts around the president's effort to coerce a foreign leader, leader to create uh, dirt that he can use against the political opponent, that they will be strengthening the case on obstruction if they uh, behave that way. Todd Purdom, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Todd Purdom is a staff writer at The Atlantic. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Danielle Hewitt, and Mara Silvers. If you want to catch up with me during the day, track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. I'm Mary Harris. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.